Yeah, that band's good, right? You guys can sit down. I wouldn't want you to stand up or anything. Your legs will hurt or don't want you to be uncomfortable like I have to be for this whole time. Stand. Just kidding. You don't have to feel bad for me or anything. Uh, well, you can feel bad for me. I like attention. So if you guys want to, it's fine. Uh, my name is Reed. It's such an honor and a privilege to speak to you. Uh, I'm one of the next-gen pastors here, so I do a lot of work with kids and students and young adults. Uh, yeah, and it is a ton of fun. Don't clap for me yet. You don't even know what your kids are being taught today, you know? It's wild, but no, our team is excellent. They're really, really awesome, and it's such a pleasure to work with them. Uh, today, we are going to keep going on our Parables of Jesus uh, sermons, and Jess kicked us off so great last week talking about the field, or talking about, wow, sorry, soil. Wow, I'm talking about the field. Yeah, I'm gonna, I have ADHD, so bear with me. It's fine. Same. Same. So today, uh, we're going to jump right in, okay? So uh, we'll jump right in. We'll unpack. We've got a lot of words, a little bit of time. So we're going to jump into Matthew 13, starting in verse 24 and on. Uh, Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and put the wheat in the barn. So this parable describes the work of an enemy who tried to destroy the work of a man who sowed good seed in his field. The enemy's purpose is sowing weeds among the wheat to destroy the wheat, right? But the wise farmer would not allow the enemy to succeed. Instead, the farmer decided to sort it out at harvest time. And it obviously is overwhelming to them, right? Like if the, if the people, the servants who are working, come back to the farmer and they're concerned, They're incredibly overwhelmed. If they come back right away running, then this is an overwhelming issue for them. Hey, there is weeds all over your crop, all over the place, overnight, in the dark, in our worst moments. We have seen the enemy sow weeds. So just recently, uh, I don't know if any of you guys are with me. You might be with me. You might not. But um, I just turned into a lawn dad about two years ago. Is anybody with me, like, really care about your lawn? Thank you. Last service, there was none, so it's just me and you. We're going to have to hang out and talk about our grass. That'll be super awesome. As you get older, uh, I heard that you either turn into, like, a grill dad or you turn into a grass dad. I am both. So um, when you have more kids, you start to just, like, pick one. So now that I have three children, as of March 12th, we welcomed our third baby, Margo. Yeah, it's great. Well, don't, again, don't clap yet. So then I, I dove a little bit more into, like, I, I kind of went on a spree. Like, I bought a Blackstone, and I was like, listen, we're going to have to do something for this paternity leave that makes sense. So uh, I, I don't know. You, you turn into a lawn dad or a grill dad because it's just easier. Like, moms are super women, and they can deal with kids for long periods of times. And dads are like, I'm going to go mow for three, four, seven hours. 
on my days off. Uh, or I can smoke meat, uh, which in case, moms, you don't know, they don't have to do that much work in between when they put it in and when they take it out. They're, they're <laughs> liar. Yeah. Don't tell her that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I broke a code and I didn't mean to. But as I stand and I look over on my back deck, my kingdom of grass, sipping my coffee on Fridays and Saturdays, my days off, and I look and I look at the lines cleanly mowed, it's beautiful. It makes me proud. And then out of nowhere, I spot weeds. And I don't know, but they're just, they're not good. And there's too many weeds in Cheviot to fully get them out of your yard. So I have to learn how to live with them. And luckily for me, my wife is like the kind of person who, um, she's just like hyping me up all the time about our yard because she knows I put in a lot of effort. She's like, wow, the lines look really good. And I'm like, they do, don't they? <laughs> but then I'll look and I'll be like, look at our neighbor's lines. And even before, I'd be like, well, you know what? Our, our neighbor before, they never mowed their yard. So that caused me some real issues. I was like, why in the world are my lines so clean and she doesn't even mow her yard? That was upsetting. So then we got a new neighbor and I was like, well, there's hope. Jesus, praise God. Here we go. And then our new neighbor mows his yard. And I was super happy about it. I was super stoked. I was like, I got clean lines. They're going to have clean lines. And then all of a sudden, they decided to leave a two-foot-wide spot in between my house and their house. They don't even touch it. They don't even remotely mow. The whole yard is mowed. I didn't think I could be more upset. <laughs> like, either mow your whole yard or don't mow your whole yard. Why would you pick spots that you're going to mow and spots that you're not even going to touch? And this is where my wife chimes in, and she's like, but look, how, look at our kids frolic in the nice field. It's a, it's a small backyard. It's a small backyard. But it's a field to me. Uh, and uh, I love that she does that because it keeps my eyes on the prize, right? It keeps the eyes on my field, the field that I'm working on, my yard. Uh, and it keeps me focused on that instead of all the things that I'm rambling about of like, well, you know, we really need this type of grass for the winter. And we really need to kind of like fertilize our lawn at this time. And I need to aerate it. And the whole time while I'm speaking about things, my wife does not care. But she pretends like she does. So she's like, yes, aerate the lawn. It's so important. <laughs> yes, the grass seed at this time is such a good idea. And I don't know about you. I don't know if you have, like, friends of yours that hype you up and have no idea what you're saying, right? Like, they have no idea what you're truly saying, but they always have your back. Well, this is kind of like what the disciples are doing when Jesus tells this parable, so when Jesus tells a parable, they kind of are a little confused, but they don't say anything the whole time. They're like, oh, yeah, get him, Jesus. Oh, yeah, get, yeah, that was smart. It was brilliant. I love how you worked that in or whatever people say to pastors when they speak, right? And then Jesus goes on when he's talking to the people when he talks about the parable of the mustard seed, which is pretty short. Then he talks about the parable talking about yeast, which is also pretty short. And then he withdraws back to a house, right? And in the disciples' mind, there's still no conclusion to this parable, the wheat and the weeds. So when they get back, they're like, hey, uh, Jesus, listen, I know we looked like we were super stoked about what you were saying, but we actually have no idea. So could you go back and explain 
to us what that story you were telling meant. So that's where we pick back up in verse 36. And it says, Then, leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, Please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, The Son of Man is the farmer who plants a good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The, har- the harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Just as weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from us, from his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into a fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So, all right, Jesus explained to us the parable of the weeds in the field. In his explanation, Jesus made it clear what the different figures in the parable represent. The field represents the world. The good seeds represents God's true people, the sons of the kingdom. The weeds represent false believers in the world, the sons of the wicked one, who, like weeds among weeds, may superficially look like God's true people. In this, we see that the parable of the weeds changes the figure slightly from the parable of the soils, which we heard last week. In the parable of the soils, the seed represent the word of God. Here, it represents true believers. The point of the parables is completely different. The parable of the soils shows how men receive and respond to the word of God. And the parable of the weeds in the field show how God will divide his true people from false believers at the end of the age. One point we get out of this and we should know, we will always have opposition to the gospel. Always till the end of the age. There's corruption among God's people. For every seed the farmer plants, so does the enemy sow a seed of destruction. Like every time the Bengals lose, corruption. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a household where my dad was asleep, and then he'd wake up in the middle of the game, and it was corruption. If the Bengals were losing, it's on the refs. It's their fault. They're corrupt, and they're against us because we're a mid-market. And mid-market teams don't do well for the national media. I don't know if you heard that conspiracy, but it cracks me up every time. Or sometimes we get into the playoffs, and when we get into the playoffs, it's not the refs anymore. It's the commissioner. He's in on it. And he is trying to create our downfall. I don't know. I don't know if it's true or not. And if he listens to this, he shouldn't sue me. I have no money. (laughs) But it's on him. It's on him. But just like that, Satan has a weed of evil for every plant of grace. And when God revives his work, Satan revives his also. For every great Jesus seed, Satan spreads his own, and Satan's plan from the beginning of time was that he could be God. He could do it better. But if you can't win, you try to destroy anything that's good, right? He's just really not that awesome. He just sees God doing something that he would like to be able to do himself. And instead, the beauty of the cross is that you've already won. We've already won. He's just not going out that well. The ultimate sore loser. 
Spurgeon says it this way, this powerful, this parable powerfully teaches that it's God's job to divide in judgment. Magistrates and churches may remove the openly wicked from their society. The outwardly good who are inwardly worthless, they must leave. For the judging of hearts is beyond their sphere. Jesus announced God's kingdom, and this would have led many people to expect a cataclysmic disruption of society an immediate and absolute division between the sons of light and the sons of darkness. I don't know if you guys like being called that, like sons of light, sons of darkness. It's got like a little vibe to it, you know? Feels really good if you're on the sons of light team. But in this, it was this impatience, this immediate need for separation that we have as people that this parable was also directed. But we can't forget that we were meant to be among the weeds. Sometimes we look at other wheat and we're like, you know what? There's no way that's a wheat. I know what a wheat looks like. That ain't it. And sometimes we look at other wheat and we're like, you know what? (sighs) That's probably a weed. Or we look at weeds and we're like, definitely a weed. I don't know if you guys, you're like, bad, bad plants, right? But it's not our place to judge. We are to wait until the end of the harvest for God to sort out the weeds from the wheat, and we have to be good examples, examples of Christ leading other wheat in the direction of Christ. The field is the world. Significantly, this parable does not specifically say anything about the church, but it says the field is the world. Not saying this isn't applicable to the church, but they make it a point to say this is about all of humanity. The field is all of the world. Both the world and the kingdom community, community, ultimately it is not the job of the church to weed out those who appear to be Christians but actually are not. That is God's job at the end of this age. And to be honest, we can't tell what a weed is if we wanted to, right? We couldn't tell the difference between a wheat and a weed. If you check out this picture, um, I'm no farmer. I'm from, the su- I'm from the suburbs, but like that, it almost looks the same. I don't know if you've seen a whole field of wheat or weeds, but I, that's enough to confuse me, right? I'm not from Indiana. I got no idea what's over there. <laughs> so it'd be confusing. It would be confusing. And sometimes we still totally do that, right? We still look and we want to be like, weed, wheat, weed, wheat. And we're just walking, pointing, weed, wheat. I don't like his face, weed. You know? <laughs> we're excellent at it. And don't forget, God has used so many people that if they were here today, we'd never let them sing here. We would never let them speak here. David? No way. Jump into that dude's story and tell me you would like him up here to speak to you. (laughs) Moses? Guy who killed somebody and also has a trouble speaking? You would enjoy him up here speaking to you? You would listen to him? Or Paul, the guy who murdered multiple people before his conversion? You would listen to him? All of these guys were used to rewrite history and actually, by all accounts, looked to be the worst based on outside merit. And there lies the problem. Sometimes we look, uh, sometimes wheat looks like weeds to me, and sometimes weeds look like wheat to me. Sometimes weed looks good, too. Weeds. 
Yeah. Wow. I practiced this so many times and I still messed up. Wow. Sometimes they look the same and sometimes they look really good. My kids in my yard really like the, the yellow flowers and the purple flowers. They don't know that those are weeds. And I'm not going to tell them because I want them out of my yard. Pick as many as you want. They're so beautiful. Give them to your mom. You'll love them. Right? It's great. And they love doing it. They got buckets. But it's not really that great of a first date flower, is it? I know. You can't just show up with a bunch of weeds and you're like, look, they're pretty. They're yellow and they're purple. And she's like, what are these? Weeds? And you're like, yeah, but you're getting a better dinner. Right? (laughs) It's just good. Don't take dating advice from me. I'm not good at it. It's still not a great flower. If we allow ourselves to make the call on something like that, we put ourselves in danger of actually making calls based on our emotions or our feelings. If we allow ourselves to make that call, this is the danger we put ourselves in. And in Ephesians 3, 3, it talks about, I have seen and I know the plan of God. But we will never, ever, ever see the plan of God if we're stepping in and we're, and we're creating our own plan then we we run the risk of doing what makes us feel good, doing what we want to do, do what makes us happy. That's our flesh speaking, right? And every single time we make a judgment call in the field, our flesh is the one judging the field. And either way, we, if we're here, we never actually end up bearing fruit. It may look or feel this way now, but it won't in the end. As long as God's people are still in this world, the field, there will still be unbelievers among them. The enemy has sowed them is the devil. Clearly, the enemy plants counterfeits in the world in the kingdom of in the kingdom community to confuse you, to lead you astray, to take your vision somewhere else, head you in a different direction. And this is why merely being a member of the Christian community isn't enough for us. The kingdom of heaven has arrived, but not yet fully, and this is what that means. We're still surrounded. There's still evil in this world aimed at your destruction. The field and end product matters the most. One thing this would mean to me would be to find your allies and stick with them. Means we need to find harmony with other wheat. We're not the farmer. We don't do the separation then, and we can't do it now either. I don't know about you, but I can make myself believe that a good thing is a bad thing. I can look at a good thing and be like, that's a bad thing. I can convince myself of that. Where is that sown from? Because we're so used to looking at the bad. We're always looking, staring at the weeds. See, you have to be able to see above the weeds. My wife prides herself on being the neighborhood watch. She's excellent at it. She sees what all of our neighbors are doing at all times creepily staring out the window, (laughs) right? She's so good at it. I'm going to get her a badge. Don't tell her. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. But everything means something, right? Why do they choose to mow their yard at a diagonal? And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, it's probably up to something. Like, no. Why do they have four cars there instead of two that they normally have? Something's going down. And I'm like, yeah, they probably got visitors. You know, or she's just like, why do they leave at 11 o'clock every day? And I'm like, they probably got work. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain this to you anymore, right? So now my five-year-old daughter is doing it too. Like, 
Like they're on to something. Right? It's so good. So good. But it's time to look for the same things. Less criticism. Honoring our fellow wheat and the leaders within. We need to celebrate what's best in people instead of condemning people to be weeds. Or worse, making wheat feel like a weed. See, we can celebrate the good things we see in and through each other, find the common ground that's actually really simple, like we all share the same field, the same mission. We all love the same Jesus. We often don't consider that the angels of God have a special role in the judgment of the world, yet they do and are worthy of respect because of that role. So there's only two sides, good and evil, the sons of light, the sons of darkness. There's no gluten-free, which, if you are, is totally fine in this realm, but just for this parable, you're not allowed. You have to be wheat. You have to not be wheat. You have to be a weed. Sometimes you can fool yourself. Sometimes you're fooling people around you into thinking you're a wheat. Sometimes you truly believe you're a weed, that you're broken, evil, or maybe that you don't belong to anyone. But the truth is there's only two sides. You belong to someone. Jesus used this parable to clearly illustrate the truth that there are two different paths and eternal destinies. A furnace of fire represents one destiny, and a radiant glory shine forth as the sun, the other destiny. It's a pretty simple choice for me. So for some people that you see every day in the field, there's a fate for them that Jesus describes right here as the furnace. The wheat comes into God's barn from all over the world, from all ranks of society, from all ages of God's church, from every socioeconomic background and diversity. The one thing they have in common is that they were sown of the Lord and from the good seed of his word. See, God needs to be the one to deal with the judgment of the field. As most dads of small children, I was just watching Rapunzel. And uh, as I show you this picture, these guys were pretty evil, and they were bad. And that's the thing. Evil people have hurt a lot of people in here. Evil has hurt you. And as we look, and these two dudes, I was just reminded about um, what leads us into certain spaces. These guys got everything they ever wanted. Even in the beginning of the movie, they got the crown that could lead to their dreams, they said. They could fulfill everything that they ever wanted. And they gave it up for what? Does anyone know? Revenge. They gave it up for revenge. And for us, we can find peace knowing that the ultimate judge will hold all things in account. That evil cannot even be in his presence. All evil will be taken care of. Justice will be served. And all evil will be punished. But you know, we know that, but we don't really like that sometimes, right? Like, name a thing you hate. Ketchup. Oh, peas, asparagus. Yeah. Oh, asparagus? Really? That's good. Some butter, some butter, salt. It's delicious. Whatever. Ketchup for me. That can burn in the fiery pits of hell. I don't like it. I don't like it. Makes, makes me feel sick. I don't even like the smell of it, right? I'll just start gagging. Oh, man, it's bad. I don't know what it is about that that makes me feel so terrible. 
But the bad thing is, is that's how we actually view people. We view weeds the same way. We make a judgment call on them, and we hate people. We wish that they would never, ever, ever step foot in front of my Jesus. We wish that they would never be, I, I hope to God that some people get in front of Jesus and he judges them to their account. Right? So if we leave it up to me, I don't know if I'm making all the best choices in that. The easiest way to gain revenge for us is to allow weeds to continue to know nothing else but being a weed. What if we were placed right where we were supposed to be? with the family, the coworkers, the friends that we're supposed to have to show the field there's a better way. And it doesn't mean that you have to go anywhere. I think it's important that he uses plant language. You've been planted where you are. You're not going to move if you're a wheat. I don't have legs. Makes no sense. But you are right where you are, around the wheat and the weeds that are around you. Jesus paid the debt for you so you don't have to fight the fight by yourself. Second Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. He's patient, and it doesn't come on our judgment or at our time. Thank God for that. God's patience is allowing more time for work to be done, people to be saved. I like history. So when I look back at history and I look at events like World War II, all the injustices that happened, all the people who died, it feels like a time that if Jesus was going to come back, it should be then. Right? It feels like a time that should be it. But how many people have been saved since that day, including me and you, to work the field? Because the kingdom of heaven is coming. It's just not to completion yet, and we have weeds to reach before then. See, the beauty of God's kingdom is in God's kingdom, you can make weed into wheat. That's the hope we believe is true for us and now through us to go and bring good news into the world among us to be different, to be the people who want to get involved in other people's stories and see them change to be more like Jesus, to be the ones who want to bring about transformation in their communities, to bring the kingdom of heaven to everyone's doorsteps using covert operations, just like our enemy does in the world, but not of it, bringing light and hope in Jesus's name. Disciples being trained and empowered to go into their networks and neighborhoods in your schools and your homes and your families. That's what we want to do. The hope is in you to go chase those weeds. God trusts you to go do it. And we may not know who is weeds and who is wheat. But we can certainly look around and every single person who crosses our path can be loved, encouraged, and spoken life into our gospel, the good seed. We treat everyone with the same respect and hope to take another step towards Jesus. That's our next move as a church to create disciples who come together to celebrate everything we've seen God do around us Monday through Saturday. And maybe you've been sitting here and you've been a little confused about where you sit, right? There's only two sides. Maybe you're like, man, I don't know if this, what you describe as a wheat, I don't know if I'm that. 
man, we'd love to talk to you after service. Come pray with one of us. Come talk to one of us. We'd love to talk to you about that. Or maybe in your life you feel uh, forgotten. Look past. You feel like a weed. And you want to see that change. Come talk to us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk to you about what's next. If anything, I want you to get this last line. God uses the weirdest people to work miracles in the field. And you can be one of them. So we're going to pray, and I'm actually going to show you guys a video about a little bit of our field that's being cultivated. God, thank you for today, and thank you for everything that you've given us. God, thank you for taking it out of our hands to judge the field. And thank you, God, for taking that hard decision, that hard choice to judge the field. God, we pray for everyone's heart and mind and soul in this room. That we know, that we get a glimpse this week of who we are and whose we are, who we belong to. And God, I pray the dangerous prayer of put someone in our path that we need to influence, that we need to help the seed spread. We love you, God. We praise you. Amen.